Welcome to McKnight's Long-Term Care Newsmakers Podcast, where we share the latest information and views from industry leaders. Hi, I'm Kimberly Marcellus, Senior Editor of McKnight's Long-Term Care News. Today, we're here to discuss the role of nursing homes in the clinical trial process. Seniors have long been overlooked when it comes to testing new drug treatments, even when it comes to conditions they're most likely to have. That began to shift a bit during the pandemic when we saw nursing homes emerge as a pivotal testing ground for one of the best treatments against COVID-19, monoclonal antibodies. So where does the relationship between nursing homes and drug makers go from here? We're going to cover that and a little more today with my guests. First, we have Lynn Hood, President and CEO of Principal LTC, which operates 45 skilled nursing facilities in three states. She's joined by Joy Lynn Nation, Principal's COO. She and Lynn were both honorees in our McKnight's Women of Distinction Awards program. And finally, we have Dr. Tyler E. Miller, Director of Patient Access for Care Access, which, as you'll hear more about shortly, is helping make important connections in the drug trial universe. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So, Lynn, let's start with some background here. Can you share a little bit with us about how and why Principal LTC got involved with clinical trials early in the pandemic and also what that looked like on the ground? Sure, it's my pleasure. You know, when the pandemic first hit, it was truly uh, my first experience. And I, I know everyone on my team's experience with a virus that had such an impactful event on the entire operating facility. So it was uh, obviously um, impacting our employees their families, our patients, their families, visitation, and the communities in which we served. And so out of the box, we worked really hard to try and be innovative in the work we did in the buildings. Uh, we opened up our own mask-making factory. We bought, we bought every bolt of cloth we could get to make uh, over 45,000 masks. We worked with a, a microbrewery and we made hand sanitizer and we learned very quickly how to put up antechambers and those types of things. But all of those efforts still did not create a, a super protective environment from a, from a virus that we didn't understand at the time. Eli Lilly approached us pretty early on in the outbreak of COVID and asked if we would like to participate with them in a trial for a medication that could prevent the spread of COVID in an institutionalized setting. And that led to also trials and treatments. So when we were approached with this opportunity, um, we were first honored because I think it's the first time in my 34 years in the industry that a pharmaceutical company had ever reached out to us to work with them on something as critical as this. And then second, I had to take it to the owners of our, of our company. And I can tell you across the board, each and every one of the owners said, if this can uh, save one life or prevent one human from suffering with this pandemic, let's do it. So it was a very quick and easy decision to get involved. Uh, with the trials early on. And I think what it looked like on the ground at that time was pretty unknown. Uh, we had a lot of phone calls with Lily and with Care Access. We had a lot of discussions about the hows because they were actually bringing the treatments to the nursing facilities. And quite frankly, it, it was a lot of preparation to make sure when they arrived, they would stay <laughs> um, because um, we were under the impression that every nursing home in the company uh, would want to have this opportunity. So we wanted to make sure on our side that when Lily and Care Access got on the ground, that we showed a tremendous amount of support. 
So how many nursing homes did eventually get involved with that? Well, uh, initially it was probably a half a dozen and it was a, it was a preventative trial. So when we had a positive employee or patient in the facility, they would come to the building with their mobile units and we would uh, educate both staff and residents on the potential benefits of receiving a monoclonal antibody as a preventative treatment. But it was pretty pretty quickly demonstrating in my mind, and I, I certainly am not a research scientist like Tyler and his team, but we were seeing pretty quick results that in buildings that were receiving this, the residents were not catching the virus. And quite frankly, it probably was only a few months after that where I was on the phone with Lily pretty much two, three, four times a week asking them to please get us into the treatment trials. And that was our, uh, our, our, I think our big, big shift was being able to actually not only use monoclonal antibodies as a preventative way of dealing with the pandemic, but also treating individuals so that when they did become positive, that the disease would not progress into a life-threatening situation. Well, I know that had to be a wonderful um support to be able to share with your families, with your residents' families. I wanted to bring Joylyn here to talk about the effect that it had, one, on patient health. Obviously, you got into that a little bit, Lynn, but also just on the staff and to have a tool that not a lot of nursing homes at all would have imagined that they could have and to now have this and, and to be part of caring for these patients and protecting them. Kim, for us and for the healthcare component of this company, to know that we had a potential treatment for mild to moderate cases of COVID-19, which was the case for most of our residents, it was a true game changer. I kid you not, this was just another tool to prevent hospitalization uh, for our residents. And so we jumped at it, we seized the moment. And our staff, our nurses, the directors of nursing, the administrators, as they were having positive cases, they were calling the families and the physicians to get authorization and to tell them about this treatment that we had. And it went from them calling to whenever they would call a family member and say, we have a um, your loved one, mom, dad, husband, wife was uh, positive. One of the first things that the family member would say, can you get them into that treatment? And we saw how effective uh, that was when we started getting calls back from the centers saying within 48 hours, within three days, it was the residents were so much improved. Um, symptoms were clearing up and we were extremely happy because our hospitalization rate just started plummeting. Yeah, and if I could add to that, Kim, one of the things that we decided to do because of our relationship with Care Access and, and Eli Lilly was to open up COVID-only facilities. And uh, the first one we did was in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, and we took a basically 120 beds and moved the healthy patients to a safe setting in one of our other facilities and brought all the patients that were positive into a single setting environment. And what that allowed um, the Care Access and Eli Lilly to have is afford the opportunity to literally come in once the treatment started and stay. And that's what happened. They said, they said, you know, if principal can help us get the numbers we need, 
to get this drug uh, through to an emergency authorization use. And if you can keep our flow steady, then uh, we won't leave. So let's transition a little bit and and talk about how you are building on that success. I'm going to start with you, Tyler. Tell me a little bit about the new project in terms of looking at an Alzheimer's treatment, um, how it works, and maybe some of the similarities and any differences as well. And then Lynn, I'll have you come in on this one too. Yeah, thanks, Kim. So it was so great working with Principal, and it was very visible about the impact that they were able to make for the residents and for their community. And CareAccess is really a decentralized research organization. We try to partner with community-based organizations to enable more patients to have access to these cutting-edge clinical trials. And the way that we were able to work with Principal and other long-term care facilities in that region, we wanted to replicate that for additional studies. We were able to take what would have taken you know, many months or years to run a clinical trial and find the success of that particular medication in preventing COVID-19, for example, for this one, that like short time frame that we were able to create a successful trial, that enabled that medication to get out to patients around the world so much faster and, and, and really had a really big impact outside of principal and their community, but across the country, because we were able to make that with principal able to get to other patients that needed it. And so again, we use that same model then for other indications like Alzheimer's disease and cardiovascular disease and diabetes. Can we get these medications out to more people in clinical trials so that we can get them, if successful, out to the general population quicker um, and help people across the country? And so the new study that we're working with principal on is another study from Eli Lilly. This is a really cutting-edge Alzheimer's study that is looking for a preventative Alzheimer's study trying to identify patients who are at high risk for getting Alzheimer's symptoms, but don't currently have those symptoms. And the way that we're doing this is using a biomarker in your blood, not the genetic marker that that people think about, but an actual biomarker for the proteins that build up in patients' brains prior to them getting symptoms. We can identify those patients in this preclinical Alzheimer's phase. Then we can try to intervene at that stage to either prevent or delay the onset of those Alzheimer's symptoms. The medication is a, is a monoclonal antibody. It is designed to remove the beta amyloid plaque and, and tau proteins that build up in Alzheimer's patients' brain that scientists think cause the damage and lead to the symptoms of Alzheimer's. And so what we're doing with Principal is trying to bring awareness and access to that trial to their residents, their their family members, and their communities in a way that makes it easy for them to participate and have access for that trial. Yeah. And um, Tyler, that's absolutely correct. And from our end, and I'm going to be very clear about this, and I was recently at speaking at a couple of events, the nursing home industry has, has always been seen as the bottom of the food chain for healthcare. But we play an extremely key role in the healthcare continuum. And it really is time for the regulators and the government to understand the cost efficiency of our role and also the quality of our role. And so when we jump to this clinical trial that we'll be working with and many more, I hope, in the future with Care Access, because they're a wonderful, dynamic, innovative, fast-moving group, is we have day-to-day interactions with the community, our patients, their families, 
emergency medical workers that come into the facility when a patient has a negative event and they need to go to the hospital. We work with various associations, geriatric associations, wellness associations, Alzheimer's associations. We work with some outstanding physicians that come into our buildings and service the patients. We work with the hospitals routinely. And so who is better served to go into an underserved community where many of our nursing homes are either in remote locations or they're in inner city locations who is better served to be able to spread the message of what clinical research can bring to the community. And so when Tyler and I were talking about this particular drug, although our patients that already have Alzheimer's will not be able to participate in this trial, their children, their, their nieces and nephews, their spouses could. And as I reached out and started talking globally, not globally, but sort of locally about the possibility of this trial with some of our local physicians, they were already starting to gather lists of their patients that are in their 50s and 60s, and they have parents that either um, have the disease or perish from the disease. So we are not the end chain of the or the end of the feeding chain in healthcare. We are actually a very vital part of healthcare. And the more we can demonstrate that by partnering with companies like Care Access and Eli Lilly, the more perhaps the outsiders will see that we're just not the negative news story of nursing homes. So let me flip that on its head a little bit, Lynn, because, you know, I know that there are some barriers when you do something new and innovative, and sometimes those barriers are just in people's minds. How did you have the conversations with people about you know, this is an emergency authorized treatment? You know, how did you convince people? It sounds like maybe you didn't have to do a lot of convincing, but what conversations did you have around? We want to do this. We, we think that this is something really positive and we're going to affect some real change here if we can get these medications to our residents? Yes. So, you know, we certainly um, we certainly let our board know and they were 100 percent supportive. The executive my executive team talked among ourselves and we just couldn't come up with a viable reason to not try it. You know, our patients are not guinea pigs. This was not a clinical trial that were saying, hey, you know, you want to you want to test something out, give it a try. We were actively in the middle of a life-threatening pandemic that was taking the lives of elderly people and institutionalized people around the world. And so it just was not that hard. The prophylactic treatment was the start, and there were a few hesitations among some of my leadership team, but a couple of fantastic leaders uh, in a couple of my nursing facilities tried it, and then the word got out. So and it wasn't hard when you hear names like Eli Lilly and Care Access. It really wasn't hard. We didn't have to do a lot of convincing. This, these were very professional organizations. And then I'm going to come back to you, Tyler, to, to talk about some of those barriers that drug makers sometimes do face in getting seniors into their trials. Um, I think that's been a general criticism, not applied to, to nursing homes specifically, but but just that the folks who maybe will be the end users aren't always uh, first in line to, to be involved in the trials. So can you talk about some of those barriers and then how a principal LTC or other partners you might have down the line help you get, get through that and, and start making the difference you want to make? Traditionally speaking, seniors have been left out for two main reasons. One is awareness and the other is proximity. 
So awareness is purely about making senior populations informed that clinical trial may be relevant to them and is taking place. This is a huge opportunity for the senior community. So partnering with industry and community leaders like principal is really a way for us to directly address the awareness issue, for one. And really, we have education teams that will be on, on site. And we're on site for the, the monoclonal antibody studies um, for COVID, and we'll be on site for all the trials going forward. Really empower the senior communities with facts and relevant studies so that they can make sort of informed decisions about their treatment options. The other is proximity, and that really speaks to physically being near a testing site, especially for seniors who don't live near traditional testing centers and clinical centers. You know, traveling to a clinical research center or an academic medical center can be a challenge. And so Care Access has really created a decentralized research model where we bring mobile testing sites to locations that the treatment's actually going to be needed. And our, our partnership with principal really allowed us to bring those cutting-edge treatments to and those studies to their own communities. Um, really for the benefit of all the senior populations in their greater community and, and their family members. And so it really was a win-win for everybody. Lynn and Joylin, I want to come back to this. Uh, you both touched on it, I think, but just again, this idea of maybe your residents aren't as involved this time around, but the position that this puts principal in as part of the community, uh, the resource that you become to others uh, beyond those who currently need skilled nursing. Can you talk about the benefits of that to your organization? Yeah, I think it goes back to the reputation of nursing homes in general. And it's really exciting to work with McKnight's, Kim, because you're often wanting us to tell uh, stories, truthful stories about what the industry is doing on behalf of its residents and its community. And I think the benefit to the industry to become and be considered serious healthcare partners uh, with with um, other professional organizations and to be part of getting potential outcomes with bringing drugs to uh, the forefront and through uh, uh, the whole process. I mean, for me, when, when Tyler and, and Lily spoke about this particular drug, all I could think of was maybe in 20 years' time, we won't need to open more dementia units. Maybe in 20 years' time, um, just like we go for a mammogram um, routinely as we get to a certain age, maybe there will be a test uh, to look for these plaques, as, as uh, Tyler mentioned. And maybe we can cut down substantially on the need for Alzheimer's care in nursing homes. And so why would I participate in something that could ultimately decrease uh, the, not the pop census population? One, it's the right thing to do. And two, our aging uh, statistics are, are, are showing that in another 15, 20 years, there may not be enough beds. So let's start fixing some of the reasons why people end up in nursing homes. And I also feel a lot of social responsibility. And social responsibility means that being a provider in a facility, whether you're Medicaid, whether you're doing short-term, long-term, social responsibility means you are in a community. You're not a freestanding not-for-profit or for-profit organization that is there just to take care of patients that need nursing home care. You're there as a resource. And it has taken a pandemic to bring forth the opportunity for a nursing home organization to step up and say, we're more than that. We are, we are nurses. We are doctors. 
we are dietitians, we're social workers, we're physical, speech, occupational therapists. We're not a nursing home with all nurses. We're a diversified uh, approach healthcare center. And that's how we need to be seen. And quite frankly, until we can get that kind of respect, the industry will always be looked at as problematic as opposed to solution oriented. Well, I love anybody who's willing to try something new and and to really commit to it in the way that you have. So, Tyler, uh, tell us a little bit more about future vision here, because we've talked about COVID. We've talked about the current Alzheimer's. uh, But how could you replicate this and and what other treatments, uh, what other partners might you look for down the line? Yeah, I I think, you know, from a standpoint with a a principal um, partnership, you know, where we are starting to open up one site now, but we're looking to replicate that across their network and have locations around North Carolina and other communities that they serve. You know, we have Raleigh and, and Greensboro and Charlotte um, near Fayetteville, Kingston, just in North Carolina that we want to bring these trials to those communities through partnership with principal. And we're really hoping to you know, as Lynn said, they are hubs of the community and we're hoping to partner with organizations just like Principal, who are these, you know, community leaders and community centers where people from all over the area, their family members are, are going to these nursing facilities to get care and they're visiting and they have connections and they've been there for a long time. How do we work with those organizations to really address that I made earlier, the awareness and the proximity one, the awareness, how do we work with them to engage with the community and the patient population that there that could be eligible and potentially benefit from these trials? And then two, how do we deliver that in those communities so that people have the ability to actually participate? We want to be able to replicate that across the country, um, both for you know this study, but many studies. And you know, we're already talking with a really cool cardiovascular study, that phase three global study that looks to reduce the risk for cardiovascular events for patients that are high risk for them. And, and, and you know, many future studies, you know, or organizations like long-term care facilities who want to participate and try to help accelerate sort of the medicine we did with the COVID studies and, and hopefully are doing with some of these other studies. You know, we'd partner with them and help them enable us to reach their communities. And maybe just one other point of clarification. I've been doing that to you a lot, but are, are you talking for, for all of these opportunities that would be in skilled nursing? Would these all be phase three so that you're not bringing a brand new unknown entity into these nursing homes, correct? You know, yeah. So, of course, with the, the nursing facilities and their medical directors to you know assess every trial that we would bring in. Um, we did that for this, for this trial for the preventative Alzheimer's study. Uh, we will do that for the cardiovascular study and other studies that come down the line to make sense sure for that patient population. You know, care access, so we sort of specialize in these large global or national trials that are mostly phase three studies. So the, the phase one studies typically get done sort of in larger academic medical centers. Uh, the studies themselves are um, more involved. And when we need to scale that and really bring it out to the rest of the community, um, and the rest of the country, um, that's where we come in. I think that's where we would work best with long-term care facilities. Yeah, and Kim, okay. I think that would... Sorry. Yeah, no, Kim, ahead. I just wanted to sort of highlight a critical point here. The industry has always struggled with reputation issues. Uh, let's move past that. Our employees have always been seen as, again, 
um, employees that do the most difficult jobs. I mean, our CNAs and our housekeepers, laundry staff, kitchen staff, they're really the 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 heart of what we do every day. And many of them live in underserved communities and many of them work two jobs and many of them have parents that would not be able to guide them to, um, you know, uh, academic institutions or major hospitals for clinical trials. And our CNAs and our, and our, a lot of our staff suffer from the type of illnesses that we're seeing all over the country, you know, obesity, diabetes, cardiovascular disease. And so when I review whatever Tyler is going to bring to us, I want to make it clear that a big part of that decision is how it will benefit our staff, their families, and the community. And I can imagine that for the most part with this upcoming trial, there won't be a lot of our in-house patients. There may be some, but won't be a lot, but I'm pretty sure that again, their families and our and our employees and their families are going to be very interested in this trial. And we're already talking to them all about Alzheimer's. We're already talking about the devastation of this disease. So why stop talking at how to deal with it and start working on how can you help treat or avoid it? Absolutely. And I think go ahead, Jalen. I think uh, you know, I have gone into our facilities and uh, I know of for a fact of three of our employees that has loved ones in the facility, one as young as 55 with dementia. And she's just absolutely terrified of what that means for her future and her kid's future. And when I talked to her briefly about this trial um, and uh, our participation in it, she was, uh, the first one, she's like, sign me up, Joylyn, sign me up, tell me about it. When is it coming? Um, because it, the, the thought of what the future possibly holds for myself, for her and other members of her family is just devastating to her and plays on her mind. So studies like these and partnership like these with Eli Lilly and Care Access uh, absolutely, no doubt about it, um, is going to play and will play uh, a, a very caring and, and, and forward thinking and possible treatment uh, to help our employees. And, and that's a big part of why we're all in this business. Yeah. And, and, and right now, I think everyone knows there's a tremendous workforce problems throughout the whole country and probably the world. And for me in particular, I've always kind of said, if you take care of your employees who take care of our residents and patients, a lot of things take care of themselves. Well, that doesn't mean that they're all going to jump up and down and say, yeah, let me jump into the trial. But there is a subset that are going to feel um, blessed and appreciated and cared about that we have the opportunity to bring these things to them um, through care access and the pharmacy, the pharmaceutical research companies they represent, which are many. So again, our patients are a microcosm of this. Um, our residents, families, and our staff and their families are a larger section. And then the community at large become the next section. So we will be working as hard as we can on the launch day to engage the entire community. 
Well, I'm glad you all allowed us to, to share this story, and uh, I'm sure you'll have some inquiries from others who are, are looking to do this. So um, I'm going to wrap it on that, but I do want to say thank you again to all of our guests, uh, Lynn, Joylin, and Tyler, for joining us. For McKnight's Long-Term Care News, this is Kimberly Marcellus. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to McKnight's Long-Term Care Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in long-term care news, visit McKnight's.com.